0: Welcome to the worst of the best podcast. You wanted the best, well, they didn't freaking make it. So here's what you get from Canada: Ryan and Ruben. Welcome to the worst of the best podcast. Thanks. Live, thank you. Live. Thank you. It's a live broadcast. Yes. So we always start live, and then I take that live video audio, and I edit it for iTunes. So if you're listening to your earbuds, welcome. If you're watching this video live on our Facebook feed, welcome. And uh, yeah, let's get into it, Today is the worst of the best, 10 lab mistakes that became everyday items. So these were what they call a happy accident. Yes. Happy accident in the lab. So unlike children, these are happy accidents. <laughs> <You> like that? <laughs> all right. I'm just all right. I love my children. I stuff like this, I think, is very uh, interesting. What do you mean? Well, you set out to do one thing, nothing happens. Right. Okay. That that's all life. But then it turns out to be something maybe good. Ruben, is there anything? Was there anything, Ruben, in your life that became maybe a happy accident? Something you set out to do or wanted to do, but it became something. My career. Okay. My family had plans. They fell through. We went to, hey, let's let's go to where I now work. And I was there. I said, man, I wish I thought of this. The owner said, hey, we're retiring. Happened on that day. It was kind of a happy accident. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure, okay. Like the course of life changed. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the closest thing. I If I had to come up with an example, that's the closest thing I could think of. It's something that I was going one way, but something else happened. It's not like I answered questions on the test, got them wrong, because I didn't study, and then magically got them all right. Right. That's right. Yeah. So these are a little bit specific, though. These are actually items, everyday items. So that everything on this list you will know of, I've heard of, and if not, we've all used. All right. So it's interesting that they weren't made on purpose. So that's what makes this list interesting is sure. this was not the intention of the product that we enjoy all the time. These are failures. These are failures. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Non-stick cookware, Ruben. This was an accident. Yes. Did you know this? I think this one I did know I, about. I, I did not know that, but I'm just aware of the health uh, risks for Teflon. Yeah, sure. Well, Teflon, or PTFE as it is known in the scientific world, would have to rank as one of the most useful kitchen inventions. Sure. However, polytetrafluoroethylene, I' oh, just it, call it PTFE for short. Okay was actually invented by mistake in 1938 when DuPont scientist Roy Plunkett was developing a new CFC refrigerant. So he was sawing open a gas canister used in his ex- experiments. So he sawing open the gas canister, which okay. I wouldn't recommend sawing open... No. But he was... He's a scientist, let okay. That's right. He discovered a reaction had occurred between the PTFE gas and the iron shell, of the canister. The result was a waxy, repellent substance for which he initially saw no use for. Hmm. He's like, the substance came out of this, cracking open this uh-huh. combination. He's like, okay, but it was, so it wasn't until '54 that anyone thought to coat cookware with that substance to stop food from sticking to pots and pans wow this is what I find crazy this is probably something you wouldn't want to just put in your mouth and ingest is that right yeah uh, it's linked to like cancer a smaller genitalia to name a couple but most cookware today is used yeah or coated with a variety of Teflon so yeah, maybe yeah. they have practices today maybe there's some sort of protection perhaps yeah I can imagine when the substance first came out and they put it on put it on a frying pan They look honey I could cook eggs on this thing oh yeah so it's a miracle <laughs> it's a yeah. miracle we've all enjoyed it Ruben, have you ever used a Post-it note? I use them every day. I have those colors and many more at work. Did you know that fifty billion of these are made every year? I was unaware of the number. Fifty billion. But I'm not surprised. Can you? Well, the fifty billion are made and then disposed of. Like there's there are piles and offices and cabinets. It's crazy. Yeah. Post-it notes would have to be one of the most useful items that people use today. And you you just said that. Yeah. Uh, and I use them all the time at work too. They're great to say you know sign here or attention to this or something like sure. that a reminder on your computer screen mm-hmm. to often put them on a coworker's screen you can put them on their screen and say hey go see so and so they came by to see you there's lots of uses but this is a really interesting one this was developed by a mistake doctor Spencer Silver was a chemist working for 3M that some company 3M in 1968 his research into a super he was trying to do research into a super strong glue yeah but it failed <laughs> <laughs> he he instead he came up with a very weak <laughs> adhesive that would only stick things together for a short time and basically didn't do any damage when it was pulled off. It was sticky, just sticky enough to make a sticky stick. But you know yeah, sure. basically just could hold up a piece of paper. <laughs> like what a great failure. <laughs> Such a weak adhesive that you're looking at That's the strongest he could make. It was <laughs> <laughs> well, you can put paper on it. it will hold, hold up a piece of paper. Well, it wasn't until 1973 that the worth of this new adhesive was recognized. Arthur Fry, one of Dr. Silver's colleagues, began using this temporary glue to bookmark the pages in his hymnal. So he's using it for church, and yeah, I like this song here. So he'd use this. he take this adhesive, put it on paper, like now because he'd recognize it. you could tear it off without damage. Not to get too deep here, but. It took somebody else to see his mistake. Well, that happened the first one. Oh, yeah. That's the first right. one, the scientist made the mistake, so didn't know did... what to do with it, and then somebody else came along 20 years later and said, I, I could do something with this mistake. Probably written in some notes or something. Just... Imagine the mistake right now. I wonder if any mistakes I've made will become something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ruben, safety glass. Now you think, oh, hasn't glass always been safe? Well, you think about glass. No. Think of about... okay, your, your average glass in your cupboard. Or a mug. It's not safety glass. It hits hits oh, the floor. Smashed. It hits the floor. It's a million pieces yeah. of wool. Car glass used to be that. Crazy. Isn't that weird? So when windshields smashed, they smashed. They don't do that anymore. They kind of crack. Yeah, yeah. They hold together much better. Yeah. But you remember the old movies? People fly through windshields yeah. and, and the scattering of glass. Well, let's see how this was made by accident. So if we have French chemist Edouard Benedictus accidentally knocked a glass beaker onto the ground in 1903. Was a few he years was ago. yeah, he was surprised to find that it shattered, but it did not actually break. So the cracking happened, but uh-huh. it didn't break. Because inside of it contained cellulose nitrate. There's a film of that inside the glass. Oh, so that's crazy. So he just so happened to knock over a beaker that had a film inside of it that was cellulose nitrate. And that cellulose nitrate was the stepping stone to figure out how to break glass without shattering, shattering. it. We well, you know it's going to break. Yeah, there's a breaking point, but it won't. Those like cube pieces, yeah, 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 you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this plastic coated glass was further developed during the early 1900s and was first used for lenses and gas masks during World War One. Mm. And then various forms of safety glass, and now it's in every car, building, cookware. Man. Yeah. Edward. Number seven, microwave oven. Now Ruben, growing up, do you recall Ruben growing up? We never owned a microwave oven. And I used to think No I thought it was just the rich people that yeah, had. No, it turns out everyone had it. <laughs> And we were by no stretch of the imagination, like destitute or but we you know, we weren't going to Disneyland every year, but we weren't destitute. And, but we never, our family, with four boys, never had a microwave to reheat anything. Now, I think the reason could be, you could argue, we never had leftovers. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we ate every morsel of food on our table at we, supper time. Wait, we, did we, we had, ever we had, have leftovers? We had powdered milk. Yeah. Do you remember? We have to make four liters of powdered milk in the middle of supper sometimes. Yeah, we have to make milk during supper. During supper. Who's yeah, gonna stir? Who's, oh, yeah. yeah. who's making milk? I made milk <laughs> yesterday. Making milk, guys. Yeah, that's right. Can anybody relate to that other than relatives listening to this? Yeah, I wonder if any of our listeners had powdered milk growing up. So not only did we have powdered milk, but we also did not have a microwave. I didn't have my first microwave or used it until, I don't know, I must have been close to 20. I, I can't remember the first time I used a microwave. It was just like the friend's house. Yeah. Like... First time I drank milk out of a carton was at a friend's house. It's the, it's, it was like a creamy, rich dessert. I wow. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I had milk was at the, the Hubbard's. Our ants, yeah, and I couldn't, I couldn't drink it. I was like, "This is gross." Yeah, we're like, "Oh, this is too thick." This is <laughs> thick. I was like, "It's two percent, brah." All right. So, microwave. How, how was this accidentally made? Yeah, this was an accident. Percy Spencer, a radar engineer, was conducting experiments on a magnetron, a new vacuum tube, in 1945. So, during the experiment, Spencer noticed that a chocolate bar in his pocket had melted. Yeah, the oh. safety protocols back then. Jeez. So basically, he was getting radiated on his leg. So his chocolate bar oh. melted. <laughs> he grabbed some popcorn, and to his surprise, found that the magnetron also made the popcorn pop. What's crazy is, as you know, we microwaves. Did you know what they're heating up uh-huh. moisture? Oh, okay. So, he so uh, my cut. understanding is, if you could put it in like something that's completely dry, like I don't know, a piece of paper maybe, it wouldn't be hot. But there's no moisture. It heats the moisture in the item. Apparently, the mesh on the microwave glass breaks the radiation from coming out on Yeah. you. Oh, makes sense. So this poor guy, he was sacrificing his body for... So he had popcorn pop outside of... <laughs> the radiation was in the room enough to make popcorn oh, pop. But he had accidentally stumbled upon a new way of cooking. Radiation, baby. So Raytheon marketed the new microwave oven as a Rata range in 1946 and the initial ovens were costly and too bulky for most kitchens. They were the size of a modern refrigerator and took 20 minutes to warm up before you could actually cook anything in them. Yeah, if you want to heat up uh, last night's dinner in the oven, you had to heat up the oven it took time. So here you could have this heat up in 20 minutes instead of an hour or 45 minutes. But can you imagine the. the I'd be interested in YouTube actually of uh, First Microwave. Well, imagine how rich those people would have been. Oh, yeah. If, if we thought other people had yeah. money just having a microwave. Yeah, in the 40s and 50s. <laughs> if, you had a, if, you, if you had a microwave in 1950, oh man, you could reheat last night's dinner 20 minutes, of That like yesterday's pizza, man. Plastic Rubin was an accident. Wow. So, ironically... Where would the world be without plastic? Well, plastic was originally developed to protect wildlife by reducing the need... <laughs> <for> <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, That's hilarious. You, you might have heard this before. Maybe some of our listeners have heard this before. Uh, okay, but sorry, plastic yeah. was developed to protect wildlife by reducing the need for ivory tortoise shells, horn, and other animal products, as well as minimizing the industrial use of our natural resources. That's hilarious. So in 1869, John Hyde answered a New York firm's call to find a substitute for ivory billiard balls, and he found that combining cellulose, again... Billiard balls were made from ivory? Yes, you didn't know that? No. Yeah, that's why it was a rich man's game. Ooh, That's kind of gross. Not anymore. Well, not legally anymore, but Yeah. Elephant okay. tusks were... We we're going to kill an elephant, chop off his tusks, and, and then... And play pool. Oh. Ugh. Yeah. So he found that combining cellulose derived from cotton fiber with camphor produced a substance which was flexible, strong, and moldable. He is newly discovered celluloid could be used to in manufacture instead of animal byproducts, so it was used for filmmaking. And then the new synthetic product would reduce the slaughter of animals for the use of their horns, tusks, and shells in manufacturing. Wow. So. Chemical companies soon began researching and developing new plastics for every use imaginable, from wartime equipment to furniture, cookware, motor vehicles. The applications for plastic are endless. Given the origins of plastics, it is ironic they have become an environmental concern, with more people returning to natural-produced products. so Yeah, I'm going to be... Because more tortoises, elephants... Well, we try to recycle. We recycle our plastics. But there's been some arguments. They're saying that transporting paper takes more room with plastic they can squish into smaller they can transport more plastic than they can paper so ironically it takes less to less emissions and natural resources to transport plastic than paper so when they ask you paper plastic you should almost save plastic because when you're done with all your plastic, it can be combined in such a small amount for a lot of, whereas paper is ah, harder. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. It just, you can't win for trying. No, no. It's essentially, it's a, it's a. Wow. Yeah. We're thinking about the animals if yeah. you, you're listening. At the very least, when they ask me paper or plastic, I always say, uh, can you give me a, a, a elephant tusk? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Number five, super glue. Yeah, ironically, the guy that was making this was trying to make the weakest glue possible. Yeah, I was gonna say this guy. <laughs> where was this guy when they're looking for the hardest glue? So in '51, two guys, uh, Henry Cooper and Fred Joyner, were looking for a temperature. Fred Coo? Fred Joyner. and Fred Harry. Joyner is working on glue. What Joiner is a? Oh, big... sorry, yeah, that's like and a... Harry Cooper. But yeah, I got you. His name is Joyner. All right, but it's, it's like, spelled it? Joy, you know, J-O-Y. But sure. So, they were working for temperature-resistant coating for jet cockpits. Uh, after spreading the cyanoscrylate between two lenses during scientific experiences, they were alarmed to find that they could not pull the lenses apart, which ruined expensive laboratory equipment. So, they create this product. uh uh-huh. Again, it was... What was it? It was the coat... Jet cockpit. So it's some some sort of protective coating, but it turned out to be an adhesive that was so strong they couldn't pull it apart. Temperature-resistant coating. Yeah, that's a Temperature-resistant That's right. Thank you. Oh, oh yeah. So when they're in... Yeah, heat bounces off the cockpit. Okay. So it was then that they realized the potential for this glue, which almost instantly bonded two surfaces together. So super glue glue was first marketed in the late 50s and has become since a popular remedy for many small household repairs today. I I use it all the time. Do you ever get super glue stuck in your fingers? You're like this. Yeah. You know, you're like... And then it gets to the point where it starts pulling your skin. You're like, "Oh, I'm in trouble." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stainless steel was an accident. Really? Yeah. Do you recognize that building, Ryan? Is that the EMP? It is. Yeah. Stainless steel is something we take for granted. EMP is the Experience Music Project Museum in Seattle. Built in 2000, or it was open in 2000. We, we were there for the opening. Yeah, we were there for the opening day, opening concert. Great show. Metallica, right Chili Peppers, Filter, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. I'm missing somebody. You see Filter? yeah I think that was it it was a great show it was a fantastic probably show probably one of the best concerts I've ever been you to you know really? that was the last time the Chili's wore the socks that's right they did wear the socks that was the very last show and I didn't recognize John Fishante as I should have like, I didn't appreciate him the way yeah, I should have. Yeah. Well, he really shined right after that as well. I know. I didn't appreciate the way I should have. Okay. Moving forward. All right. So, in 1912, meteorologist Harry Brearley was experimenting to find a rust-proof gun barrel, And but during his research, he added chromium to molten metals, and he eventually noticed that previously discarded metal samples were not rusting like other metals. So he's discarding stuff and he's really this stuff's not rusting. So based in Sheffield, the home of silver cutlery, Burley soon began marketing his rustless steel to cutlery manufacturers in place of the traditional silver or nickel plated cutlery. You see that all the time. Stainless steel. Yeah, yeah, stainless yeah. steel. Which always meant it can't rust. Yeah. Well thanks to Harry. Thank you, Harry. No more rusty silverware. It's not called it should be called silverware. It's actual stainless steelware. Yeah. 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 Alright, number three, bubble wrap. I know this one. Do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you tell me? This is what I believe I know. Okay. It was first invented to be wallpaper. Okay. And then failed as wallpaper. And then was used uh, to be insulation. And then failed to be insulation. And then it was used to pack IBM computers. What? And then became an overnight success. Bubble wrap. Wow. Ribbon did this without looking at the... Let's see. Let's see. In 57, scientists Alfred and Mark put two shower curtains through a heat-shrinking machine in an attempt to develop a textured wallpaper. Good job. Thank the you. result was a sheet of plastic covered in tiny air bubbles. Their effort to use the product as a greenhouse installation also proved to be a failure. Mm-hmm. In 1960, IBM was looking for a way to protect delicate computer components during transport, fielding and shavannous cushioned plastic was the perfect solution to the problem. The usefulness of bubble wrap soon caught on, and it's the world's most common packaged material today. Ruben, I didn't have to read that. You did a great job. You're welcome. Cling wrap. We all love cling wrap. Yeah. Uh, This is uh, often referred to as saran wrap. That's the brand name. (laughs) But cling wrap. Kleenex. That's right. It's weird. Can you saran wrap that for me? Everyone knows what you're talking about, right? The sticky film Saran was discovered in 1933 in the Dow Chemical Laboratories. Ralph Wiley was working in the lab, developing dry cleaning products, and discovered the substance when trying to clean used beakers. Hmm. Another beaker. I guess all the subs make the labs. When was the last time you used the beaker, right? Oh, junior high. Yeah junior high beaker I was so excited in science class yeah, yeah. Well, you got the turn on the Bunsen burner oh, yeah. You're like, you like you put the gas it was originally used as a protective spray in fighter jets again wow. and in motor vehicles and it was even used in soldiers boots so saran wrap was introduced into household as a food wrap in 53 concerns about the chemicals in the film being in contact with food led to further research and the development of safer plastic films. I like how safer is in quotations. Yeah. This <laughs> effectively wrapped up the array of plastic food packaging we use every day. It too was an accident. Wow. He found the substance while he was trying to clean used beakers. Interesting. Yeah. Number one, I can't believe this Ruben, but the safety pin was an accident. How could that be an accident? I accidentally bent metal. I probably. So here we go. In 1849, New York mechanic Walter Hunt was sitting in his office fiddling with a piece of wire as he tried to come up with a way to pay a $15 debt. Oh, wow. He found that he had successfully twisted the wire into a useful object. He could see how the item in his hands could be used as a pin. The piece of wire now had a coiled spring at the bottom. Hunt added a clasp to the top, allowing the pointy end of the safety pin to be secured at the top and preventing the users from being stabbed with the sharp end of the pin. A clever inventor, Hunt was unfortunately not a sharp (laughs) businessman. A few years earlier, he had invented an eye-pointed needle sewing machine. He failed to patent his invention as he feared that he would cause people to lose their jobs. His design was later copied and marketed by others. While he did patent his safety pin invention, he sold the rights to the patent to the person to whom he owed the money. Oh. Oh. Oh, this poor guy. Oh, jeez. I, so, I feel Talk about putting a pin in your future. Oh, Hunt. But still get a heart of gold. He had a $15 debt... And he's twiddling with metal thinking, how do I pay this guy back? He invented a useful item that he thought people could enjoy and use. Sold that patent for $15 to the guy he owed money to. That guy makes millions. And then he invented the sewing machine, but he didn't want people to lose jobs. Like a robots taking over their hand sewing, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Rest in peace. What a good man, Walter Hunt. <laughs> Walter Hunt, I've... my hat's off <laughs> to you. I feel terrible <laughs> every single time I use a safety pin. I will think it's yes. a kind, sir. Yes, everyone. You deserve a spot in heaven. With everyone, to have a moment mother- of silence. <laughs> and everyone, listening to this podcast. You have used a safety pin. This man was robbed. This family was robbed. <laughs> shame on those people. Shame. It's it's not it's on the, the uh, guy that held the debt to. No, it's not shame on him. He had. Did he think to himself, "I wow, really"? I can run with this? Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you never know with the business. Walter might not have been too bright. It does say here that he was a clever B- venture. Business, uh, business acumen might have been off. Yeah, he sounds like, well, I have to say, if you're a nice person, you're probably not in business. Oh, thanks. I'm in business. No, but you know, you own a business. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... No, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's hard. Saying. Like, I couldn't be a used car salesman. Sure. I, I, I Not to say that they're mean people. I, I can't say to people this when I know it doesn't cost... The value of this thing isn't what I'm saying. I just can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's it, everyone. Oh, we oh, picked. Who? Which one's the worst? Well, what's, our, what's our criteria for worst? Something we use the least? Something we could do? Yeah, maybe the thing that we could do without? So, if it was never invented? Like, all these things we use... Because if we pick the thing we can't be without, means it's the best of the best. So we have, that wouldn't make sense. Which one's the worst? These are all the best. Well, yeah, the so worst? what's the worst what's the worst, in- worst invention out of these best? Okay, yeah, 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 I'm overthinking it. Sorry. I think the worst one, I I have my pick. My, me too? Mine's Teflon. And the reason being, it's because like, that's what I was trying to get to a criteria if one of these inventions didn't exist that's what I meant to say if one of these inventions didn't exist could I live my life okay without it and I would find Teflon is something I could live without just I have a sticky pan I might need to scrub a little bit more I'll agree with you on the Teflon I Actually, use everything else post I notes I don't use Teflon yeah, I do I see things I kind of do use it but I fear, I feel well, like I'm sure that I do on something but or cookware is mainly stainless steel yeah just use a lot of butter post notes we use safety glass we definitely need micro Evans, yes plastic of course i mean what super, super loose sure all the time stainless steel every day yeah bubble, bubble wrap, wrap yeah oh, yeah cling wrap of yep. course safety, safety pins, pins like you need safety pins safety walter, walter. there's no way walter. walter hunt so yeah there you go today the worst of the best is uh teflon I, I remember safety pins were used for a bit for to show that you're a safe person yeah they were regular walter hunts He did not want anybody to get hurt that's right walter hunt <laughs> may his name never be forgotten yes tell him to your children folks so remember in front of every silver lining there's a cloud and we're here to help you find it thanks for listening remember to review us on iTunes like us on Facebook (laughs) Uh, follow us on Twitter (laughs) thanks for listening guys thanks for watching all of our podcast episodes if you're a first time listener they're available on every podcast app if you have a smart device And I can't imagine you don't. It's an iPhone, Android phone, any kind of smartphone, pad. Just look for podcast feeds, and we're on there. Worst of the best podcast. Thank thank you for listening. Thanks for being here. Thank you, brother. All right. Wrong mouse. Thanks, everybody. Bye. We're leaving. That's crazy. What a fun little surprise. (laughs) I didn't read that one.